So uh, you should have an outline that says at the top, Grace Christian Fellowship, then bracket Sunday, 1030. And this is actually part A. Uh, oh, they didn't get them out. Are we just now getting them out? See if you have that, and if you don't, and Daniel Williams and Anvesh are passing them out. So make sure it says Season of Seeking Prayer and Fasting 2023, Part A, Five Goals, Backslash, Emphasis for 21-Day Season of Seeking Prayer and Fasting. Uh these are the things that we are I'm calling us to pray for together. You know, our slogan once for RCF, I think, was enjoying God together. Um, these are the things we want to seek the Lord together. Now, uh, Isaiah 58, 1 through 12, you should consider that those. And uh, I would look at uh, Daniel 9 as theme verses for the, uh, all of Daniel 9, verse 1 to 27. As theme verses for this time, and also in Joel when he uh, says to consecrate a fast, proclaim a psalm of seven. So think think a lot on those verses uh, during this time. Uh, in I'm not going to do a lot with the verses here, but about halfway down, it's Psalm 16:11 says, "You will make known to me the way of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever." So that's really the focus of uh, the number one thing we're f- f- uh, looking for. I also want to point out Matthew 6. Uh, I don't know if it was Josiah last Sunday, but somebody mentioned in a, I think it was Josiah said, like, uh, when you fast. So the point that's always taken away from there is that the Bible certainly never says if you fast. It assumes that all Christians fast. Uh, I, if you go back to the Garden of Eden, if you study Babylon, if you study ancient cultures, actually all cultures fast, and, and especially all religions fast. And fasting is somewhat mysterious, uh, it, but like we said in the 930 meeting, if you don't take advantage of fasting as a Christian, it's kind of like walking away with money on the table that someone's asking you to take. You know, John, would you take this stack of $100 bills home when you leave today? <laughs> no, I'm, I, you know, I can't be bothered with that. <laughs> so really, uh, you're robbing yourself if you don't use fasting as a tool. So, now, five goals or emphasis for this season of seeking, prayer, and fasting. I don't know if that's even a good grammar or whatever, but the reason I really wanted to put the word seeking first is this is not just a season of prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting are a a tool to increase the number one goal is we're seeking God. And we're seeking God uh, for these five things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's and I think it's on the other uh, the first one, right? It doesn't say if you 
No? Yeah, it is. It's on the, uh, for, on the part B that we did at 930. Yeah, those are very good verse. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Sure. Yeah, call upon him while he is near. And that's the purpose of fasting and humbling ourselves is to, to seek the nearness of God. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. We all, uh, if you don't know this, I sh- you, it, you haven't been paying attention <laughs> in the last 20 years. Uh, Repentance is a daily foundation of the Christian life. I remember uh, growing up and having to memorize certain prayers and certain uh, as a little, little kid, there were certain prayers you said every night. And uh, part of that is like you should hem in your day with prayer. You start with the Lord and, and you want to experience the presence of God and touch God. And you want to end the day with prayer. Uh and so, and the unrighteous man is thought, so let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion. Not he won't, or he might, or he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And there's no one in this room that doesn't need to repent. And repentance is the gift of God. Romans 2, 4 says it's the kindness of God that grants repentance. You... Uh, do you remember Esau sought God for repentance and he wasn't granted it? And uh, the, if, your, uh, if your sin still bothers you, that's a gift of God. And if you have a, a, a desire to be free from that sin, uh, that's a gift of God. And if you have a desire to be free from that sin enough to actually do something about it, that's a gift of God. Repentance is granted by the Lord. I love in Acts uh, 11, uh, I think it's verse 17, when they're, when they're uh, accusing Peter of going to gent- the Gentiles' house and preaching to Cornelius and so forth, uh, after uh, Peter gives his uh, very wise defense, and that's worth studying in itself, uh, it says they quieted down, and I, I always like to say, you know, we soften. Th- in, in the Bible, they translate in ways that are somewhat more polite than maybe the Greek. Really, they shut up. And, and if you can get religious snowed all people to shut up, that's a move of God. <laughs> and uh, they shut up, and they said, so God has granted the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. So, yeah, thank you, thank you Roseanne. That, that's Psalm 55, 6 through 7 is on the first outline. And the, the purpose of the verses at the top of both outlines are those are verses I'd like you to be thinking about during this season of fasting. Uh, the dates are listed at the top, and, and, on, and on, they're on both outlines. But I want to focus now, uh, and right underneath five goals, it gives the dates again. So A, you know, these, these are really one, two, three, four, and five, but the outline worked out better. A, rekindle passion, zeal, vision, endurance, love. You know, uh, all these proceed from God's presence and God's spirit. We love because he first loved us, First John 4. The more God breaks through with his presence and his grace, 
so that you understand, uh, you know, my uh, pastor, Ray Nethery, who's, uh, let's see, about to turn, uh, hold on a minute, yeah, he'll be 94 this December, thank you, uh, you know, he used to always say, cheer up, it's much worse than you think. Part of understanding God's grace is our sin problem is actually way worse. Nobody in this room actually has a very good handle on how deep our sin is. Your sin is way worse. You're not that good of a person. In fact, part of the heart, you know, the Bible talks about the deceitfulness of sin and the hardening of sin. Part of that is we totally under we totally think we're much better people than we are. And uh, God, God bringing us under that a deeper conviction is actually a necessary step in His releasing more grace into our life. Uh, I thought the songs went very good with this theme today, by the way. Thank you, Christian. In your presence. Uh, so we want to seek a restoration of, the, of and in and by and for and through the manifest presence of God. Uh, worship, prayer, we, but we want to kind of like dwell there about the word abiding. Uh, when Jesus talks about abiding in me in John 15 over and over, uh, the Greek word there is menas, and uh, I think the Revised Standard translates it remain. But uh, I like words like menas when uh, English Bibles translate them with five or six different words because it means it's a much richer word than you can get in one word in English. But it means to remain in, to continue in, to dwell steadfastly in the presence of God. Um, we're going to seek God to increase the person, power, and activity of the Holy Spirit in the whole church. It's really, really important to see if one person is lacking that, we're all, we're all hurting. We want to see God reveal himself to our children um, you know, again, I always share the story of the Carla Weiss was born on a Monday night, and I, I was holding her in, my, her in my arms Friday night, five days later, in a, in a worship session that was so filled with the presence of God, it was amazing, and she just started giggling, and she couldn't stop giggling, and I, you know, you're kind of always like one ear to the Lord, like, what's this about? And it was because she already knew the presence of God because I, we were actually dwelling in a church where the presence of God was really thick all the time. And uh, she, had grown, she had spent nine months in her mother's womb experiencing the presence of God. Um, and so we have kind of this idea, like there are certain things about the knowledge of salvation that your kids have to grow in, and there's no avoiding that. They have to become more deeply convicted of their sin. 
They have to be aware of God's graciousness and his holiness and righteousness. And they, they do have to be born again and be called of the Lord and all those kind of things. But kids can actually know the Lord from their mother's womb. Um, Subpoint three under A, of course, so it's A, C, I guess, if you want. Um, we want to seek God for a revitalized willingness to do the work of an evangelist. Do you remember, uh, that's something I'm going to be talking to, to certain people about that the Lord's put on my heart to talk to about. But when Paul tells that to Timothy, Timothy eventually became the senior pastor of, this, of the church in Ephesus. Uh, John, the apostle John was senior pastor in Ephesus before Timothy. And uh, Timothy, it, I don't think he necessarily was an evangelist. I think probably certain pastoral things. But here's one of the traps of the enemy. If you have calling, anointing, the reason you got baptized in the spirit isn't to increase your pastoral abilities as much as it is to be being his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. No one is not, no one is called to do work that's only in the church. And so one of the things that happens in our Christian life is there are various, various things that try to lead us into evangelistic inactivity. Some of it is that you just get busy with church work and all your friends are the people in your church. Uh, you need to have friends that aren't in your church. And you need to have uh, relationships that the purpose of the relationship is you're actively helping them come to Christ and go through the first five steps of entering the kingdom. Now, um, I don't know because of my age if I'll ever get back to having nine or ten of those at a time. But right now I have two that I'm working with. And one of them, in, in both cases, they're a teamwork. One of them Stephen and I are working with. The other one Golden and I are working with. And you want to ask God to give you people like that in your life. That you're actually sharing the gospel with them. You're, that they're, you're having a Bible. You say, you know, you ask them if they'll have a Bible study. Uh, now, one of the things that's hard is sometimes you have insight and a word for people, but they're, they're not willing to hear it. So part of praying and fasting for evangelism is that uh, I, there's, I, I know a man that I've had a word from the Lord for him for over six months trying to uh, ask him if he would get together with me to talk, and he, so far he hasn't been willing to. So, but... Uh, you, you know, uh, God will give you stuff for people. And what we have in America today is we have biblically non-complete conversions. We talk a little in this church about biblically complete conversions. Sometimes we're lacking in depth of conviction of sin. Sometimes we're lacking in depth of God's grace and, and how not only free it is, but how empowering it is. And uh, sometimes we're lacking being in the right uh, circumstances vocationally or uh, in terms of church family or something like that. Sometimes it's just attitudes. Uh, I've gone through seasons of my life where 
I thought, you know, I'm, I was not as uh, in love with the Lord or not as uh, fruitful or not as on fire. And I felt like it's okay because I did all this stuff before. But th- that's not true. You're, where you are today in Christ is where you are, not where you once were. You have, you have so many Christians tell you about, I was so zealous for the Lord when I was in college or something like that. But, uh, and of course, in terms of things like how much time you have for scripture study and so forth, you never will have as much as, as, uh, after you have kids as you will until your kids, before you have kids and once your kids are grown up, you have much more time for seeking the Lord and reading his word. Frankly, sometimes you'd probably be in sin to be reading your Bible when you should be bouncing your kid on your lap or, you know, playing uh, whatever you play with your kids, you know, throwing them up in the air and catching them. And just don't miss. Uh, I don't think I ever did miss, thank the Lord. But I, I bounced them on the bed, let the bed catch them a lot of times. Uh, they like that. So... You know, when Paul tells Timothy to do the work of an evangelist, during this season, seek how much of that you need to hear. There's different seasons. You, uh, you, I doubt I'll be working with nine people 35 hours a week again, but I need to have a few that I'm working with. And, you know, all that changes as you grow. Uh, God's empowered desire to do the work of the kingdom. And I put not only in the walls of the church. That's, that's one of the traps of the enemy is to have all of our efforts in the Lord be with, in, within the walls of the church with the people we know. That, one of the reasons God, uh, you know, there's, I've known pastors that used to joke that there's a demon, a full-time ministry. <laughs> you know, like, one of, one of the reasons people want to be in full-time ministry is so they can only deal with the people in the church all the time. But we're all called to ministry to outsiders. And there's somebody in your life that uh, God wants you to be bringing along. Uh, that fourthly on this rekindle passion is growth and grace-based motivation and experience. Now, I put uh, some words that I have circled on my outline. God, ourselves, members, and outsiders. Part of grace-based motivation is to get rid of performance-based motivation. I can't, I don't have enough time to do a whole teaching on that. We've taught on that. It's something that you won't understand unless you spend time Seeking God. Uh, Some people call Paul the apostle of the spirit. Some people call him the apostle of grace. Uh, I remember there was a time, I I grew up uh, Roman Catholic, and I used to, there's an old joke like, I grew up Roman Catholic, I can feel guilty about anything. And uh, some Christian traditions, uh, some types of fundamentalists and so forth, are just very performance-based. And so you really struggle with, uh, I remember ministering for years to a young man who just couldn't get past, I, as, you know, like he'd, he'd known, the, he had wonderful Christian parents, and he'd known the Lord since, since he was uh, seven or eight or whatever. He, uh, but he, you know, had a teenage time when he 
you know, got into wine, women, and song or whatever, sex, drugs, and rock and rolls. I guess that's a more contemporary way to say it. Uh, but, um, you know, but then he was convinced that, that he was beyond God's grace because he, you know, God had shown him so much and he'd sinned so much and like he's just given up on me. Guess what? If you have thoughts like that, that is a bold-faced lie. He's not given up on you. There's not a person in this room that God is in that posture toward at all. At all. And so, uh, first start with grace-based understanding of God. The gifts and call of God are irrevocable. He will always be calling you back to himself. And who will always be willing to empower you. Now, sometimes there's a need to confess your sins to him or to one another to, as part of that process. But that, that leads to the next word. The reason I put ourselves next, a lot of people really have trouble extending grace to themselves in any kind of biblical way. You know, like you're just, con- condemnation is a real problem for a lot of Christians. And I would encourage you to, to use fasting and seeking God and studying Galatians and Psalm 51 and things like that to get past that. Don't get, get to the point where you, that you never will be doing battle with God's given up on you. And you'll never be doing, you want to get to a point where you're never doing battle with God's disappointed in you. Never, because it's just unreality, and it's a bold-faced lie. And you have to ask God to give you grace to stomp on that once and for all so that's not the battle you're in anymore. Yeah, of course, all... Right, and also I should have done better in and of myself. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's performance base is rooted in self and pride. So um, uh, then the, the third word I have uh, is members. Sometimes, uh, you know, I recently, uh, I was talking to some of the leaders in our church, and uh, I was aware that, some people have critical thoughts in their heart toward me or toward other people in, our, in the church. If you have critical thoughts toward your brother or your sister, that's your, a problem for you. It may or may not hinder their growth in grace, but it will definitely hinder your walk with God. It'll destroy it. Don't have a critical spirit. You know, some people think that the tenth gift of the Spirit is the gift of criticism. And, uh, but, but it's not. <laughs> it's not listed in Galatians, 1 Corinthians 12, anywhere. Um, next toward outsiders. Um, how 
are you at relating to people who are, don't have God in their life? And are there certain kinds of sins you don't have grace for in your heart? One of the greatest things I ever experienced as a young Christian, I uh, was during the campus ministry days in Bowling Green, so I guess I was um, about eight years in Christ. And um, we had this... uh, brother named John Rogers. And John had used to, when, before I, I met him, he belonged to a motorcycle gang. And, you know, that whole get in touch with your feminine side, he didn't have one. <laughs> you know? And uh, um, he, he was, he's married and has, and has family and all that now. And he's probably the only, uh, only time I ever encouraged a young lady to go ahead and go after a guy because he, he, g- girls weren't probably on his horizon at all. <laughs> he, he really didn't have any feminine side. And, uh, and he had this amazing experience where God appeared to him one night, uh, it, it, his first night in the dorms. And he, and, uh, he didn't know the Lord. And he, uh, like this personality said, John, I want you to follow me and help people. <laughs> and then he showed up at our campus ministry meeting because of our posters. And uh, I normally at the first meeting or whatever, it's you, you, that when they're freshmen, it's usually that they were in a, you know, like a campus ministry in high school or whatever, or youth group or something, and they were Christians already. And so he tells me this story, like, I, and uh, like I, God came to me and I, I mean, he didn't know who God was, but he thought because of our posters, I probably can get to know God there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I remember um, uh, we, I used to joke with him that we had to uh, cast some religious demons into him because uh, <laughs> we, we, were having, uh, we, were, uh, we were having Bible studies, and these Christians that were from another group that were kind of interested in what we were doing were in the Bible studies. And, uh, you know, he comes over and, he, and he's got his Bible and he goes, well, I was reading in the Gospel of Mark when Jesus, I don't even remember what he was reading, so when Jesus did such and such, and he goes, so I said, Lord, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> And, you know, this, this other Christian group, they were a little bit, uh, that wasn't acceptable to them. And there were already enough accusations against me. I didn't need him adding to them. So, and, then, and then he wore Schlitz beer shorts to his water baptism. <laughs> I don't know if they still have, do they still have Schlitz beer? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but here's an interesting thing. Partly because he didn't have any religious demons. Uh, A a year or two after he became a Christian, he he became friends with this guy that I'll name Pete because that's not really his name. And Pete was always over at the brother's house. Uh, the, the, he lived across the street from us. But Pete was vice president of the gay union on campus. 
And uh, I don't know if I knew that. I, I, I was one of, th- there were like 30 people in our, in our fellowship became friendly with Pete. And he liked them. And uh, Pete got in a car accident, and he was in the hospital for several days. And I don't know, I get too busy or whatever. But uh, I I didn't see him until he'd been in the hospital two or three days. And by then, over 30 people from our fellowship had visited him. But by the time I got done talking with Pete, he said, he revealed to me that none of his friends from the gay union had come to see him. Only the people from our fellowship. And of course, uh, five minutes later, I was praying with Pete to receive Jesus. And it was because God had given uh, all this whole group of people graciousness toward this guy. And, uh, and I was, really didn't know him that well. The other, all the other guys did. And uh, so anyway, um, I think sometimes we get certain kinds of sins like, oh, he's a crackhead or whatever. You know what? Nobody can, everyone can be drawn back by God no matter what lifestyle they're in. And um, there, if you want, the, probably one of the most amazing things, there's so many amazing things, of course, as you go through the Gospels about our Lord Jesus. But probably the most amazing is how he was a sinless, perfect, holy person. And he really could befriend every kind of person and every kind of sinner. And, uh, well, we got to move on. Uh Revelation 2.5, I like this when he talks about returning to your first love. I, that can get pretty nebulous and pretty vague. And then he gives us, remember from where you've fallen and do the deeds you've done at first. Like, look at uh, the most zealous times in your Christian life. And where are we now? Now, that doesn't mean seasons don't change. When you have three or four kids, you're not going to read the word as much as before you have kids. Once kids come into the picture, it's a, it's a season change. But you can be very much as in love with the Lord and do some of the things that God wants you to be doing. But you, you do have to, re- there are different seasons in life and you have to reevaluate that. All right, flip over. Uh, number two goal is fruitfulness, natural and spiritual. I am so blessed that this is happening at a day when Christiana uh, announced that they, they've been gifted with a child coming. Uh, my pastor, Ned Barubi, a lot of you know him, uh, he calls me probably at least once a month to go over the names of all the couples in our church that uh, don't have babies yet. And uh, he prays for them every day. And, uh, and I have felt 
that was a major burden I was called to do. I was sitting near Teresa at the gala, the gala's coming up, and we don't have all the seats filled. Uh, so some of you will be getting calls from me and encouraged to go this week. But I was sitting near Teresa last year, and I thought I had this thought that God was going to give us five children next year. And, of course, uh, Connor and Lizeth, the, the, the Poons, you know, I, I think you still need one or two more kids. So... <laughs> So get busy. <laughs> no. Seek the Lord while he may be found. <laughs> um, so anyway, natural and spiritual multiplication. Uh, read Psalm 51, 10 through 3, because he, when he talks about creating me a clean heart, renew a steadfast spirit, go through the whole progression because it ends with, then I will tra- teach trends. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways. I'll get this out yet. And sinners will be converted to thee. Uh, Be fruitful, multiply. First the natural, then the spiritual. By the way, uh, that's a little bit of a progression back and forth. Um, You know, my first five years in Christ... uh, Five or six people came to the Lord after I spoke at my little brother's funeral, my first Christian sermon. The next four years, I was only involved in leading one person to Christ after that first night. And actually, that was a, a guy we met in the dorms that I, we, about eight brothers used to have dinner together in the, in the student union or the cafeteria by our dorm. And uh, there was this guy that was always sitting by himself. And I could tell he was kind of maybe a little geeky or whatever. And I just asked him to sit with us. You know, sometimes just extending friendship because, you know, we have something that, you know, the reason people join fraternities is free friends. You know, we have that already. But sometimes you just need to pick out someone on campus or whatever who doesn't fit in and just make him part of the brother's household or whatever. And this guy uh, used to eat dinner with us all the time. And by God's sovereign grace, I, I some uh, about all the singles used to get together at, on Friday nights uh, about a mile off campus at what was called the 908 A Street Sisters or at the 909 9th Street Sisters. <laughs> and they would worship and pray and so forth. And a lot of times I couldn't go because I had to study. Because, you know, I worked a job and, you know, and all that. And I, uh, I didn't like to get a B ever. Uh, although I did get a few, unfortunately. Um, we've all fallen short of it. Glorious straight A's. <laughs> Some some have not, but uh, fallen short. That's not, they haven't fallen short of the glory of straight A's, but uh, <laughs> but I did. Uh, but you know, uh, I was in the cafe, uh, the in the dorm we lived in. There was a room that people studied in in the in the ground floor or basement because uh, it used to be a cafeteria when the dorm was first built. But now it, that it just was turned into like a large study room with lots of tables. And I'd be in there by myself studying on Friday nights. 
And all the drunk guys who come through and go, look at this guy studying on Friday night. Ah, <laughs> yeah, what a, he must be, what a total nerd. You know, and uh, I used to think, well, well, you know, I'll find out if that's a problem at, when the report cards come out. But, uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, but you know, this guy, Bob, Bob Cooner is his name. He's, we're still friends. And he, he came back. from the 908 8th Street Sisters on a Friday night, and, and he told me he would prayed with them to receive Christ, and he, he's a Christian to this day. And I didn't play any role in it. Of the whole fellowship evangelized him, except I invited him to sit with us at dinner. And all the other guys led him to Christ. I didn't ever even get to share with him much or anything. Uh Third emphasis is effective fatherhood, parenthood, or motherhood. I may talk next week because I'm pretty much out of time. I really wanted to talk about St. Helen and Susan Wesley because they are examples of mothers who changed the world by being great mothers. Um, does everyone know who St. Helen was? Augustine's mother, St. Augustine's mother. And she's considered one of the greatest saints in the church, even though he was profligate to the point, uh, an apostate to the point of he had a concubine and a kid by the concubine and so forth. But her continued faithful prayers for him and, and, and presence in his life eventually uh, won him to Christ. And she's considered one of the greatest saints in the history of the church because uh, St. Augustine's probably one of the most important theological figures in Christ. Uh, see Proverbs, Colossians, Ephesians. Study effective and ineffective fathers in Scripture. Four, spiritual warfare, deliverance, breakthrough. I have breaker anointing. Um, some people are bound. Like, if you're past a few months in the Lord, I'm not condemning you, but if you still smoke and can't get rid of that or... There's so many other things if it's holding you back. God wants to set you free. It's not that he wants, he doesn't want to condemn you. He doesn't want to beat up on you. He's not disappointed in you. But he doesn't want you to be bound up. I uh, had some communication with an uh, old pastor of mine this past week uh, named Joseph McAuliffe. And uh, I remember, uh, you know, in one time when he was first, you know, we were druggies and all that. And when, the, when he came to Christ, the Lord appeared to him and just said, you won't need that stuff anymore. And he never did again. And really, that you know, when the Lord set me free, I did drugs every day, all day, uh, for, for like seven years. I remember I thought it was like a major miracle when I finally went without getting high for three days. But then the Lord set me free completely. And uh, it'll, this Thanksgiving, it'll be 49 years. And I always like to say, I'm, I have a head start on it, you know. Uh, uh, by God's grace, I think I might make it. Uh, <laughs> I'm probably not old enough to smoke pot anymore. Right? Uh, I might die. I'll probably die or something. Choke. Uh, so besetting sins, uh, things like that. Uh, 
I, I underlined some key verses there in Hebrews 12, 1 through 4, some key words that I wouldn't care. Uh, there was a, a uh, I'm out of time. I'll, I'll start with the uh, Maple Heights principle next time that I talk, which may be next week. Uh, lastly, we want to talk about unity and community through relationships to authority and uh, three delivery systems of grace. But uh, th- these are the five things I want us to be seeking God about. Uh, and I probably will need to uh, get together. Uh, Sam is in Children's Church. Where's Sam Chen Singpun? Oh, Sam, can you uh, hear me? I was going to ask you to be in charge of this. Uh, what I would really like is uh, you to have a meeting this week with all the guys uh, and, and ladies who can lead worship. So, you know, we're talking Sam Moante, John Luke, Deanna, Christiana, Roseanne. Uh, if, if, you know, anyone who can play uh, guitar or piano well enough to lead worship. But let's set up a thing where two nights a week during this three weeks, there's someone here at the church to lead, that, to lead a worship and prayer meeting. So in other words, like Deanna wouldn't have to do it both times. She might do one of them or something. Um, but then if we should resurrect, the, at least for this season, the 8.30 Sunday morning prayer meeting. Uh, what's, oh, okay, good. Good. So let's let's keep meeting during this season. Uh, then things like husband and wife prayer meetings uh, or two couples just get together. Uh, in, in, you know, talk about these things in your family devotions with your little kids. Um, so we'll talk more about that next time as well. But uh, Sam, if you could, I'd, I'd like to have... Uh, you know, at least twice a week where there's somebody assigned to lead worship here at the building, and then we send everyone an email that, you know, Tuesday nights at 7 people are gathering or Thursday nights at 7 or what have you, okay? If you can take care of it. Sam, Sam Chen Singpoon will be in charge of that. And, uh, you know, I mean, we have enough worship leaders that if we had twice a week for three weeks, each person could take one turn, you know, uh, and so... Uh, I'm going to stop there so we can have communion and, and so forth. Uh, and I'll probably talk a little bit about this again. But if you weren't here at 9.30, at 9.30 I talked about five options for fasting. Uh, you cannot do a normal fast if you're pregnant or breastfeeding or something like that. There are various kinds of sicknesses that you might you might have a particular disease that... Uh, uh, hinders you from doing regular fast. That's, there are alternative ways to do that, and including that last point we talked about, about just abstaining from maybe certain sins uh, that have beset you or something for, you know, three weeks. You know, now, uh, you're going to, God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, you don't uh, sign yourself up to give up for something that you're not willing to do. Like, I'm not going to give up watching college football on Saturdays during this season. <laughs> and uh, unless there's a move of God that's beyond what I'm expecting. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're only willing to hear certain things. But, uh, but challenge yourself a little bit.